Welcome to the Foul Vine Podcast with Sarah and Scotty Moe, where everything wine and baseball is in fair territory. This will be a two-part episode. In the first part, we will be drinking a Joel Gott Pinot Noir, interviewing Jen Wolf of the Cleveland Guardians. And in the second part, we will be recapping the free agent signings and news at the winter meetings. Grab a glass and join us. Look, big paper, I increase my wealth, uh, red wine, that's good for my health, uh, wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, uh, allow me to introduce myself, I said. <laughs> so, what do you smell in your wine? Anything, we haven't smelled theirs yet. You gotta smell yours too. So, I pr- we should probably you know, let everyone know that we have variations on a theme for this wine. Yes. Okay. So we have the same vineyard. Scotty, do you want to tell the folks at home what we got today? We got the Joel Gott 2020 Pinot Noir. And I have the 2021. But I think mine is from Oregon and yours is from Santa Barbara, if I'm... Yes. So this is what happens when we do things uh, cross country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also cool because I can compare and contrast from the same vineyard, say grapes just grown in different areas of the country. Exactly, exactly. What do you get? I definitely get raspberry. I was going to say, yeah, definitely some raspberry. Fruits, like a citrus almost, I'm, I'm smelling. I just want to say oaky every time now, but I don't know if I actually get oaky for I'm just making that up. It's smooth, though. I like it. Okay. All right. Like, definitely, you taste the tannins, but it's not like, it doesn't, like, stick in your mouth. It is quite tart. Yeah, Yeah, I'm getting a tropical tropical fruit. That's the first thing I'm tasting. I love tropical fruit. (laughs) <laughs> right up jen's alley we i do also want to say that jen suggested this wine that's why i um, picked it up today just throwing that out there yes however i am not the wine person i went to a friend who was a wine person and asked them for suggestions because uh had no idea where i was going well all right i like it i'm gonna keep spin on it and we'll do a rating after the interview on the 20 to 80 scale with jen Perfect. All right, cool. So we have Jen Wolf of the Cleveland Guardians. Um, Jen, what is your title exactly? Uh, Assistant Director Player Development Life Skills. Awesome. Um, welcome. We're, we're happy to have you on the Foul Vine. You are now a Viner. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Bucket list. Check that off. It's great so to, be, to be reunited again. I know. I was just going to say, you're also our first former boss to uh, be on the pod. So thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite, I wasn't quite your supervisor, but yes, more, more or less. <laughs> you told us what to do sometimes. <laughs> Very nicely. I requested. Yes, you requested our help with things from time to time. <laughs> um, for the listener out there, uh, Jen worked with us. We all worked together at the Mets. Um, Jen was in New York, but we saw her when she came down to Fort St. Lucie. Yep, I spent um, seven and, years there before I came yeah. over to Cleveland. And I actually was an intern in the New York office one summer, and that's where I met you, pulled you aside, and asked about the DR and how I could get into baseball ops. And we've been in touch ever since, which has been awesome. I've seen at every winter meetings, I think, except for the past year, which is my first not going. Um, it's just been awesome to keep in touch and be your friend this whole time. So thanks for coming on the pod. Oh, no, I... As soon as you told me you had a podcast, I was like, what am I going to be on? And then, of course, you called me out early on, too. So, like, then I really had to be on. But um, it's been really fun to see exactly what you said, like, going from you were the PR intern. I think you were part-time, too, right? You weren't even covering every game or you were in and out. Yeah, there was a rotation of us. Yeah. And so, and then recommending the video internship with the Mets at Port St. Lucie and then seeing everything you've done since then. So, this is really fun for me, too. Nice. Well, thanks again. Do you like wine? Do you drink wine often? So um, it's kind of one of those things like I, if I have it and I like, you know, I know what I like, but I I don't uh, haven't researched it or, you know, I don't like write down. I need to be better about like writing down which ones I actually like. 
um, because I could not tell you, like I said, I got this recommendation from a friend, like I could not tell you off the top of my head, um, which wines I do like, or which ones I don't, I do like reds, I tend to like reds. Like um, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's getting colder now. I feel like reds are like kind of, you know, cold weather, cold is relative in Arizona, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but living in Phoenix, um, I feel like I drink more tequila. So, uh, my, my go-to drink has been a Paloma. Ooh. Yeah. Love that. Well, I must say you did knock this suggestion out of the park. This is a good wine. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it too. Um, all credit goes to Lonnie Murray because, uh, it was her suggestion. So I will take zero credit for it. I'm just the messenger. All right. Thanks Lonnie. We'd love to have you on talk about wine as well sometime. Just saying. <laughs> Um, all right. So yeah, like we mentioned before, we've known each other for a while um, through baseball. And I just was wondering if you could talk us through a little bit about your journey in baseball, basically from the beginning, why baseball? Why do you love the sport as much as you do crazy sports love? And obviously it takes up all your time, but what really got you into it? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I definitely participated in sports. I played um, softball and ice hockey and, um, was always a baseball fan. I grew up outside of Boston. And so it's like something about being a Red Sox fan. It's like in your blood and like you, like it's like an all or nothing kind of proposition. And my um, senior year of high school was, and I'm dating myself, but it was 2004 when the Red Sox um, won the world series for the first time in 86 years. So you can only imagine like already being a baseball fan, just like how much, you know, that kind of impacted it all. Um, and I, I read Moneyball, like, you know, every good uh, future baseball employee does. And while, you know, the statistical area is not really quite my forte, um, you know, it just really showed me that that having a career in baseball was like a real thing. Um, I think prior to that, I didn't really know, I mean, who in high school knows what they want to do, but, um, you know, wasn't really sure kind of what kind of career I wanted. And once I realized that, like, oh, no, 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 people like do this for a living. I was like, OK, I, I get it. I know what I'm going to do. Um, so my like welcome to baseball story, my entry into baseball story is kind of uh, funny. Um, my parents have always said like you make your own luck, and so I I kind of take that as you know you there are situations that come up, but you have to be able to make sure you're taking advantage of those situations and putting yourself in position to make things happen. Um, so I was working at a bagel shop uh, in high school, you know, part time on the weekends, and um, Lou Gorman, who was the former general manager of the Red Sox. Um, he was a regular customer. And so he would come in and, um, one day I just kind of got up the courage and was like, Hey, Mr. Gorman, you know, my name is Jen. I'm about to graduate. Um, I'm interested in working in baseball. And he handed me, um, a, a business card. It was not his business card, but, um, it was somebody who he worked with and he said, call her. Um, and her name was Sarah McKenna. She is now, I'm going to get her title wrong, but a VP with the Boston Red Sox. So she is still there. Um, and I, yeah, this is back in the day. Like, I mean, I, I did email her, I think, but, um, it was probably from my AOL account. It was definitely not from my Gmail. Um, letter writing was still a thing. Um, but anyway, I reached out and they, um, long story short is they hired me as an intern. Um, no idea why, because my other work experience was working at a bagel shop. Not sure what one has to do with the other. But my, um, I worked in the fan services department for a summer and my job was to kind of bring, um, bring people to batting practice and we would do like different VIP tours before the game and, um, you know, give away little things to the fans during the game. I don't know. It was kind of just like a, like a fan outreach kind of position. And I was hooked. I just knew like, I loved the cadence. I loved being in the, in the stadium. I remember, or, or I guess the ballpark, but I remember like we would eat lunch in the stands at Fenway and. Um, just, you know, having grown up there, like, like I, every, every single day was a pinch me moment. Um, and then, you know, once I got into college, I was kind of trying to figure out more precisely what I wanted to do. Um, so I worked in the athletic department at school, um, not covering baseball, actually covering mostly basketball, football, and lacrosse. Um, and then, um, intern at ESPN one summer doing stats, which was at that point, mostly baseball. Um, and then coming out of college, I knew I wanted to do something either in baseball operations or um, PR kind of interested me, me too, um, but wasn't able to get an internship. And I 
I will credit, I had a really good boss at the athletic department at Georgetown and a really good boss at the Washington Nationals, both of who saw the the work I was doing there as opportunities for future growth and not weren't just concerned about kind of my day-to-day output. And both of them were were very good at uh, giving me the tools that I needed to further my career, not just like what I needed in that moment. So shout out to Mex Carey and Dan Casper for just being super supportive, good role models of what good management looks like and really like setting me up for success. So I took the marketing internship and was able to kind of parlay some of those experiences into an eventual baseball ops internship um, with the New York Mets. Um, Speaking of winter meetings, I like went to the winter meetings in 2009, didn't know what I was doing, um, talked to a million teams and uh, yeah, ended up with the internship. So I did that for, for a season. And then I went over to the commissioner's office for a couple of years. Um, I spent a little over a year in New York working on the international um, the international signing process. And then they sent me down to the Dominican Republic to really dig in even more. Um, and then the Mets hired me back to, after about a, a little over a year, they hired me back to work in their player development department where I handled most of the administration, but that's really kind of the nuts and bolts of what keeps a player development system running. Um, and then left the Mets in 2018 and started with Cleveland in 2019. So that was kind of the long-winded version. But Jen, now- just to backpedal a little bit, um, you mentioned you grew up in Boston. I remember 2004 all too well as a Yankee fan, unfortunately. Um, who was your favorite player? Ooh, Manny Ramirez, because we had the same birthday. So I just used to think that it was so nice. cool. Um, I definitely made a sign one day, like, May 30th is our birthday. So one May 30th, I went to the game with a sign like, Manny, it's our birthday. Nothing ever happened. (laughs) But I was just very proud of that sign. I would be too. That's epic. Also curious, what's your go-to bagel order? Being a former bagel shop employee, being, you know, a Jewish girl from Boston, you got to have a go-to bagel order. Yeah. So I kind of got a couple. Um, If I'm going for more like lunchtime, um, first of all, it's always an everything bagel. So yes, starting with the everything bagel, but I either go with a BLT with honey mustard um, or like you said, like a nice, you know, Jewish girl from the Northeast got to go with locks. So cream cheese, locks, capers, tomatoes on that, on that everything bagel. Yeah, it's always everything. There's no other bagel. No, really. why, why even Unless bagel? it's like a green chili, everything bagel. That's the, the Albuquerque girl in me, but that's a story for another time. I had to die on a, on a later date. Um, okay. Well, thanks for the rundown on your journey. I obviously knew that, but not everyone did. So it's very inspiring and very cool. You know, everyone forged their own path in the game. Um, curious now, obviously you've got this unique role with the guardians that probably didn't exist five years ago, 10 years ago. You know, what does that look like? What is someone who works, you know, in player development lifestyle or life skills, excuse me. Yeah. So I think when I was hired, I didn't see it. You know, I did a quick Google search of like, what does life skills look like? Because the title at the time was life skills coordinator. So, um, you know, for people who don't really know a lot about a a player development system, you have like a hitting coordinator and a pitching coordinator and an infield coordinator. And they generally um, they either kind of like set all, you know, whatever your philosophy is for that. you know, for that department or they're in charge of kind of managing like all the hitting coaches or all the pitching coaches. And so the life skills coordinator was, you know, on par with that level, but um, you know, what, what does life skills mean? And um, when I was kind of making the transition, um, I knew I was really good at the administrative stuff and, and knew that that was really important. Um, and about maybe 10% of my role was kind of player support. And, but that was the part of my job that I loved the most was just being kind of a resource for them. And um, kind of the biggest compliment I, I would get from the players is like, you know, we know that you don't always have the answer for us, but, but you're going to give us, you're going to point us in the right direction. And so like, you're the most reliable, you know, we can reach out to you. We know you'll respond. We know you'll, you'll point us in the right direction. Um, and so when I began talking to Cleveland and, and they kind of showed me this opportunity, I was like, oh, wait, this, this is like a job. Like this, this can be my whole job. Like I don't have to worry about anything else. Um, and, and the thought behind creating the role originally was, um, a lot of things that I do were already being handled, right? So Sarah and Scotty, I'm sure you both know going to the bank to get bank accounts and social security cards and, um, different paperwork and, (laughs) um, 
getting used to U.S. culture, you know, so the, they're all things that that happened. And either it was, you know, the interns that were doing it or the some reason athletic trainers get stuck with like all the paperwork because people think they're the most competent, I guess. Or, you know, they're doing a lot of paperwork anyway on the medical side. So let's just give them like the Social Security numbers, too, or whatever it may be. Um, and then even, you know, teams are at the time and even now, even more so now, like, you know, they have education coordinators um, who are creating like ESL programs for the players coming from Latin America. And so a lot of them kind of have end up doing a lot of life skills as well. And at Cleveland, we wanted to kind of centralize it all, like take all that off of everyone else's plates um, and then be be more intentional with it. So not just kind of like, oh, this needs to get done. Let's just go do it. Like, hey, let's actually teach these guys, you know, not just open a bank account for them, but let's teach them about what's the difference between a savings account and checking account and credit versus debit and how do you build credit um your social security number why is it important what is it used for what do you do if if you lose it or somebody steals your you know social security number things like that um and you know i think we've all gone through times in our lives where something that was happening in our personal life affected how we were able to show up at work or school and player for these athletes it's the same exact thing you know so if they're worried about um what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, how they're going to afford to send money home, um, how they're going to even like have access to money, you know, uh, it's going to be able to uh, impact negatively their ability to perform at their best on the field. And so I kind of, uh, kind of joke that my role is like the adulting coach. Uh, cause it's all those things that you, that, you know, we may have learned like when we first went off to college or whatnot. Um, but, it, but it's those things that you need to be kind of a functioning adult in the U.S. Would you say that every organization has a role like this in one way or another? I would say every organization does at least some of this work, but not everyone has somebody like me. So at a lot of teams, it, it is the education department that is kind of covering this stuff as well. Um, like I said, sometimes it's just whoever, um, you know, is free or whoever drives the vans will take them to social security office in the bank. And, um, but that said, I have seen more and more, I think like this off season, I've seen two or three teams posting about it. So, um, it is definitely a lot more popular and, and what kind of, uh, fascinates me about it is I think the people that are applying for these jobs and, and that are getting hired are like way more qualified for it than I actually was. Uh, I'm just a baseball lifer. So this, this was my 16th season in baseball. I just, you know, love baseball and love helping people and happen to be bilingual and so fell into the role and the people coming into it now have, you know, better education background or education specific backgrounds um, or social work or different things like that. So um, it's kind of cool to see the the position in the area or the area of expertise kind of really evolve. Yeah, that that's fascinating because I know my, my first role was I was a minor league video scout intern for the Blue Jays in the Appy League, which doesn't exist anymore. So I was in Bluefield, West Virginia, of all places. And the first thing you notice is like the players from Venezuela, Dominican, like they're, it's a culture shock, obviously. Um, and I was tasked with driving them to the bank and doing all those things. And I necessarily necessarily wasn't equipped to do all the things that they needed help with. So I think it's, it's definitely important to have a person, you know, there for these these guys especially at the lower levels a hundred percent and i think you know more and more um we're so reliant on our phones and technology and which is great but you know for our players in goodyear arizona if you don't have a car you have to uber to the grocery store and if you don't have a credit card or a debit card you can't use uber so you know the technology has made our lives a lot easier, but it has made things, you know, more complicated as well in some ways. Um, there's also like way more scams, like through your bank account and through Zelle that, you know, than we've ever had before. And so, you know, as things evolve for the better, um, it's just, you know, kind of even extra hurdles that you have to deal with that like you or I never dealt with 10 years ago, you know, Scotty Mo, when you were an intern, like you never had to explain to them like Zelle and, you know, watch out who you send money at it. But now I, I have to do a whole lesson on Zelle because, you know, just in this country, there are issues with Zelle. And so, you know, if you don't kind of, you're not watching the news or you're not kind of paying attention to that, um, you're just like, oh, this is a way to send money. Awesome. Um, you know, you could be at risk. And unfortunately, 
they're they kind of fall into that bucket of like people who get targeted by by these kinds of things too so they're in a department or are you a one-person department or um do you work co like with the education coordinator and with other coordinators to do your job yeah so technically i i'm my own department there's nobody else that kind of has life skills in their title but um cleveland is we are such a collaborative environment that nobody actually does anything on their own um when i interviewed for the job i interviewed with like probably 25 different people and it was because not only was i going to be working with you know just in the building with those people but i was going to be working closely with them and so you know there's definitely a lot with education um anna bolton our education coordinator has done a, a phenomenal job um with our our language programming and, and our having giving our players the opportunity to finish high school which is just like it's been incredible and they come to the us and they have so much more kind of language ability and so um it's been it's been really fun to like learn from her kind of well first of all to watch her and like just just see how um the impact that it's had but then also kind of learn from her how to teach because she has a teaching background and i don't um then you know i work closely with like mental skills and mental performance because there's a lot of overlap there and um you know a lot of the stress that happens when you can't do these things or you know when you're worried about money you're worried about social media or whatnot um and so you know kind of the the longer i've been there the more I kind of get to interact with all the other departments. Um, you know, sometimes a pitching coach will say, hey, Jen, you know, this guy needs to work on his time management. Like, what can we do? Or, um, I don't know, just kind of depending on what's going on. So it's not only are, are we just a really collaborative environment to begin with, but because life skills kind of encompasses so many different areas, um, I really get to kind of work with pretty much everyone um, in, with, across the player development uh, domain. Very cool. Yeah. I think I need you to be my adulting coordinator. I need a little bit of help with that these days. Yeah. There are some times where I'm like, wait, wait, I don't even feel like an adult. So like, how am I <laughs> teaching other people to be an adult? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's ridiculous. Um, what, so now you've, I guess it's different because you live in Arizona, but now you've spring trained in Florida and Arizona. Is there a preference? Okay. So while I very much enjoy A, the beach, and B, being within driving distance to Disney World, um, I will say that Arizona definitely has its perks. Uh, just everyone being so close makes it so much nicer. Just, you know, no three and a half hour road trips and overnights and, um, you know, just from like a, you know, the player's perspective. Um, and I will say like, I, I prefer now living where spring training is because when like, you're at week five and you haven't had a day off, like I get to go home and sleep in my own bed every night. So while I don't get a million Marriott nights and I like, you know, I don't get a head start on my status for the year. Um, it is extremely nice to like come home to my bed, to my couch um, and have that familiar spot. But um, added bonus of being in Arizona, which kind of never happened until this year, but there are so many more women in the game now. And so being in Arizona versus Florida, like we can actually hang out all the time and see each other. And um, this spring training, I think, you know, maybe after two years of like not full spring trainings or abnormal kind of starts of the season, um, even with the delay, you know, I had a community and I had a community of, of women who were like me, who were going through the same thing, who were in the same area that I could just kind of like, spend some time with and and you know we could we could talk about work we could not talk about work but just women who knew what i was going through and we um and and you know like sarah like you and i had that a little bit at the mets but there was like just the two of us or just you know and christy lee or like you know maybe we could drive to jupiter and see two other teams but like even that was 45 minutes so do we really want to do that and um you know we're all within kind of maybe like 40, you know, half hour, 40 minutes of each other for the most part. Um, I kind of like picked my head up at one point and I was like, oh, this must be how the guys feel like all the time. They just like have people to talk to. And um, it was Honestly. really nice to kind of have that community. So for that reason, I will also pick Arizona. That's a good reason. Honestly, I'm so jealous. That sounds so nice. Living in, when you said you enjoy living where spring training was, I was like, I don't know if I felt that in West Palm Beach. I did like going home every night, but then once spring training's over, everyone leave and you're the one who's still there. But like you're saying, 
there's just so many more women in the game. It's not like that where, okay, you're still there, but so are all the other women coaches and coordinators and um, staff who live in Arizona. And there are more people and women in Florida now too. I just wasn't there to, to see this rise, unfortunately, but that sounds so nice to have that community. Oh, it's amazing. And also like Port St. Lucie was kind of on its own little Island. Like you had Jupiter and West Palm, like pretty much right next to each other, but I feel like Port St. Lucie was a drive to everywhere. So, yeah, we kind of have that now too. So uh, our facility is in Goodyear, Arizona, and we're the furthest West. Um, and there is not a lot going on there. So uh, actually Port St. Lucie is probably a lot more built up than Goodyear, Arizona. Um, Goodyear has a lot of houses. It's a lot of houses. Um, but, you know, even just trying to find like a restaurant to do like a staff dinner, it's like, I feel like we're always at the same restaurant because there's just nowhere else to eat. Um, but fortunately, I live in Phoenix, so I would rather have a little bit of a commute and 25 minute commute is like really not bad. Um, to be closer to kind of where everything else is happening. Um, but you're exactly right. Like Port St. Lucie doesn't, and the Mets didn't, don't share. And so you kind of were just like, ah, who's closest? But again, like that's why Arizona is kind of nice. Cause even from, well, I mean, traffic aside to get from Goodyear to Scottsdale, maybe be like an hour. Um, but if you're meeting in the middle for in Phoenix. For a podcast though, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just plug, <laughs> throw on a throw on an episode of Foul Vine, and and you've got it. Just don't don't drink the wine while you're doing the drive, please. Yeah, Jen gets it. Jen gets it for sure. Um, speaking of women in baseball and having that community, um, talk to us a little bit about the Alliance of Gender Equity in baseball. We had kids on as well as we touched on it then, but you are part of the you know catalyst for all of this, so. I know you are going to be humble, but basically you're the founding, the founding mother, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So when I, um, I got to a point in my career where I, I didn't feel like I was growing the way I wanted to, and I wasn't going to have the opportunities to continue to grow. Um, and I needed a change of scenery. And, um, and so when I, when I left the Mets, I, um, you know, was trying to kind of look for support and, and trying to find that next job and trying to go that next level from, you know, kind of coordinator level to like manager director level and wasn't really finding anything. And um, there were a handful of other women that had come into the game with me around the same time and that we kind of come up together and all of us were kind of in this position like, okay, now what? And we saw efforts to get people into the internships and entry level jobs and, you know, at the very top, getting diverse candidates for executive roles. Um, but, you know, I kind of looked up and I said, you know, when I got in this game in 2005, I looked up to Kimming and here it is 2018 and I'm still looking up to Kimming. And um, there's no one, there's not that many people, other people to look up to. It was Kim and, and Gene Afterman and Raquel Ferreira. And that was about it. And so I was like, how do, how do we get more women there? Um, and so we just like started a group chat and, um, it, it kind of started as like, Hey, like, do you have any internships? Do you have like women that you, that came and worked for you that you really liked? Like, can you recommend? Um, and then just also kind of having that place to like talk through, like, how awkward is it that part of our, like, we have to work in a clubhouse where people are changing and like, this is not how normal people do their jobs and, um, talking about the hours and, you know, just having kind of similar people. And, um, it grew. <laughs> the, the WhatsApp group just kept growing. And I think we're at 172 uh, when I checked earlier today. Um, but once we started to kind of get a critical mass of people, it was like, okay, so now we've got this WhatsApp group. We've got all of these women that want to support each other, that want to grow. What do we do with it? And that's where we kind of, we decided to formalize it a little more, give it a name, the Alliance for Gender Equity in Baseball, um, and start to work both with with our members, but also a little bit with MLB to try to um, further opportunities for women in the game and, and provide that support and that safe space. So um, the pandemic was kind of a um, a good time for this. We started doing some monthly Zooms and um, we had a really, really special Zoom when Kim was named general manager. And I don't even remember how many women on it, but everyone was crying. And, and for a lot of women, it was the first time they ever had the chance to speak to Kimming. And so, you know, just thanking her for everything that she had 
done just just by being herself, right? Just by just by doing her job and and having success. Um, and um, Raquel and Jean have been on them as well, and it's it's just been like a kind of a nice place. Um, like I said, to have that community, um, and then and to just kind of network with other women in the game. So um, we're hoping to continue. We're hoping to kind of start to provide more content as well, um, and some kind of tack. Um, some firm things that people can take and and not just, you know, it's great to know everyone. That's step one. We've got the network going. Step two will be like, now how can we support each other and teach each other and give each other the skills that we need to continue to progress in our careers? So Jen, you actually answered one of my questions. I was going to ask you who you looked up to um, as a woman in sports. Um, but as a man, on my, from my perspective, I'll speak on behalf of all men. How can we show support and help drive visibility towards women in sports so you know i i think we throw the word ally around a lot and we don't necessarily we we want to be an ally and we have great intentions and we want to help um and we don't necessarily know the right way to do it so i i think first of all is ask your female peers and and the females that are working around you whether it's above you below you next to you what can i do don't make assumptions at all like never make assumptions um hey can i talk to you about you know can i ask you about this how can i support this i think that's part of it but also kind of keep in mind just because i'm a woman and i've taken on this responsibility because i enjoy it but not every woman wants to be the trailblazer wants to be the the person that's leading the charge so if they say they don't want to do it that's fine don't make don't put them in that role if they don't want to be in that role that's a it's a huge burden, um, which I happily take, but I don't expect anyone else to, to do the same. Um, but like, but ask them, Hey, what, what do you need? What do you need to make your job better? Because I think what a lot of us run into is we spend so much time worrying about what we're going to wear, where the bathroom is, uh, how long does it take to get to the bathroom? Can we walk through here? Um, because this is where people change. Can I get food? Because my food is right next to the locker room. You know, just things that like most people don't even think about. Um, so just ask us, ask us questions um, and how you can do to help. And then I think another thing, um, I heard Becky Hammond, the the um, Las Vegas WNBA coach, I heard her world, world champion, first female NBA coach. Um, you know, she was talking about diversity and I'm gonna really butcher the quote, but the essence was um, in men's sports, you only have half the population in the room. And so for me, how I take that is like, when you think about diversity and you think about including more people in it don't just think like well you know we should hire a woman for this job because we don't have a lot of women here or we should hire you know this black person or or whatever um really think about like if these people aren't in the room what are we missing out on so what what ideas what experiences what do they bring to the table that the rest of us are not bringing to the table if we look around the room and we all look the same we're gonna have a lot of the same responses and we're gonna have a lot of the same ideas um, we're gonna have groupthink and and all these things. And so instead of thinking about it as like, well, let's just get these numbers up so we look better, like really think about if if I look here and everyone looks like me, then then there's all these ideas that we're not having access to and all this information and experience. And so I think kind of having a broader look. Um, so yeah, in short, like think of diversity kind of broadly and 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 inclusion and and just ask, ask us what we need, ask us how to make our jobs easier. Honestly, see, you nailed it. I think not making assumptions, asking questions is, it sounds so easy, but it's hard to do and it still isn't done. And it's so important just because we're women doesn't mean we want to you know, be asked about domestic violence issues with players, right? Like that's not our job. I'm fine being asked that or Jen might be being asked that because we're really passionate and we're willing to take on this burden and this charge of we're women in the game, we're women in sports, we're women in baseball and hurrah, hurrah, right? But not everyone's going to be there and want be there wanting to do the same thing. They might just want to lay low and, you know, they maybe they've been hired to be a, some sort of assistant and then that's all they want to worry about right like just really be intentional and ask questions and do not make assumptions i'm just really glad that you said that it, it really hit home and i think it's just so important for honestly every front office to hear yeah i think something i've noticed recently is like you know even even in the best culture sometimes there's uh things that you can still learn from and still, still grow from and so you know something like a woman is carrying a heavy package or a big box. It might not even be heavy, like a big box. And everyone's quick to say, oh, let me help you with that. Right. Um, and and the, 
the male might think, oh, you know, I'm doing a favor. You know, she she looks like she really needs the help. But for some women, that makes that makes us feel like you think we're weak. You think we can't handle it. And so that's where, too, it's it's asking the questions and being open to the response. And like, we're going to we're going to say things that are going to challenge how your perceptions, just like you're going to say things going to challenge our perceptions. Um, so being open enough to ask those questions and then not uh, and then being open enough to to um, take in the answer and, and and act on it and not just say, oh, no, like that, you know. If we're telling you something like you probably should believe us. Yeah, definitely. the one that always gets me is like when someone cusses, and they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cuss in front of you. You know, you're in you know, a wee lady ears. And I always say, oh, don't fucking worry about it. Like, not a big deal. Yeah, I yeah. work in fucking baseball. For me, where it came up this year is. I wanted to learn how to throw BP this year because I was like, hey, like everyone always needs BP throwers. I played softball. I know how to throw. And I can't tell you the number of people that were like, uh, don't get hit in the face. And I'm like, no shit, don't get hit in the face. Nobody wants to get hit in the face. But when Joe Coach, you know, says or Joe, you know, video fellow wants to learn how to throw BP, you're like, OK, go for it. Have fun. And with Jen, it's like, oh, don't get hit. <laughs> and it's just, you know, that little word. I'm like. Yeah, that's everyone's goal. <laughs> yeah, I think something else you touched on too was uh, like just having diversity of thought in the workplace. Um, in too many of my past work experiences, I feel like there's just been opinions by people that all come from the same background um, and have the same experience. And I think any workplace, not just baseball, can flourish from having people from all kinds of walks of life and all kinds of different backgrounds and, and work experience. So, yeah, I, you know, thinking back to my Mets times, I, I feel like we had a lot of interns that, that were um, kind of carbon copies of people we already had working in the office and the few, the few uh, interns that weren't like that, like the both of you and, and, you know, and Alex Rigoli and um, Arturo Perez and Julia Hernandez, like those are the ones that are now thriving. Um, and the ones that were kind of cookie cutters, like everyone else, it may still be in the game, but but it's really to me the ones that stood out were the ones that that didn't look like everyone else, didn't have the same thoughts as everyone else, and they're the ones that have had a lot of success. Um, if you could give yourself, your young self, advice just getting into the game, what would you say to her? I would tell her to to don't lose herself and be true to herself. I think for a while um, when I was first getting started, I thought I had to be one of the guys, and I thought I had to you know if they were. I don't know. I don't even, you know, whatever they were talking about, I had to agree with. If they were, they were doing fantasy football, I had to be doing fantasy football with them. If they were talking about women, like somehow I had to be okay with that. Um, and I had to, you know, dress like, you know, polo and, and slacks because all, they were all wearing polos and slacks. And, and it took me a while to be comfortable being myself. Um, because, you know, I, I, I'm outgoing and I'm, I have a huge heart and I love people and I love talking. I love getting to know new people. And I always have fun designs on my nails and, you know, just being able to like bring my full self to work has made me so much better at my job. And I think if I had learned that earlier, or I wish I had learned that earlier because I think I really lost myself for a little bit in there, just trying to too hard to fit in. I relate more than, you know, Jen, that's amazing. I also bad gave myself that advice and, Honestly, seeing you show up to work with your smile and your crazy nails and like, oh, yeah, I can I can bring myself, my whole self to work. And I really when I did go to the Pirates, I really finally brought my whole self to work, which felt really good. Um, and you can see it with other people when they don't. And you can tell. And it's a little sad and disheartening. And I really wish everyone felt that comfortable and felt that safe enough to bring them their whole selves to work um obviously within baseball but um throughout you know outside of baseball as well yeah and it's not easy and it's scary um mm -hmm. and you know especially when you're when you're the only one or one of two and you're like ooh, if i'm two one way or another and to be honest that's that's why um i appreciate that like kim and gene afterman and raquel are all three very different people they have different senses of style they they have you know and it kind of shows yeah. you that there's there's different ways to do this. We don't all have to be, you know, Kim did it one way, Jean's doing it another way, Eve Rosenbaum's doing it another way, Kristen Pierce is doing it another way. And and I didn't see that when I was in the game. Um, 
the women that are coming in now have way more examples than I did. Um, and so hopefully they're learning that earlier than I did. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I would tell my younger self. I love that. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I, I'm Any young girls listening out there, take Ben's advice. She knows what she's talking about. Um, okay, cool. Some questions I know about the current season or the upcoming season. I'm just wanting to get into that. How are the winter meetings? I hear they were a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first time in three years that we were all in person. Um, I'm going to share, but then I have a question for you. So at the end of this, I'm going to flip this back to you all. Um, but for those who haven't been to the winter meetings, I know you've talked about it a little bit, but it's like there are some actual meetings that go on. So, you know, there's farm directors and the scouting directors and the leisure league managers and the replay and the traveling secretaries, you know, they have, this is the one time a year that everyone's all in one place. So you can update them on rules and protocols. Um, and then more and more now there's, there's different networking events. So there is um, take the field, which was like a women's pipeline event. And there was a few different diversity networking events, a women in baseball event, a minor league women in baseball event. Um, but then there's just a lot of people that there's job seekers. There's people that just show up and want to get a job and, um, it always ends up like everyone's at the bar till I don't even want to admit how late. And, um, but it's really where, you know, you get to make these personal relationships with people. Um, so I'm going to tell my favorite winter meeting story, but then I want to hear from both of you. Um, and my, my actually, my favorite story got an update this year. So my first winter meetings, I was interviewing for, um, a player development internship with the Marlins with Manny Cologne and Manny then spent a, a while at the Marlins as the traveling secretary. And most recently he just took a, or this past season, he joined the A's as their director of minor league ops. Um, somebody who's been in my corner for, you know, my entire career. Um, but this was, this is how I first met him. And I'm, we're sitting like on these, you know, in the lobby and we're talking and Jack McKeon just sits down with us. And he was like, you know, recent, more recently a former manager at this point, it was much closer to his actual career. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, is this real life? Like, I need to pinch myself. Called my grandpa right away. I'm like, I, I don't know what just happened. So I've told this story for years. Well, this week, um, I was trying to wait for somebody by the elevators and Jack McKean is just standing next to me. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to tell him this story. I'm just going to tell him how, like, you know, cool that was for me, my first winter meetings. And so, hey, Mr. McKean, you know, I just want to introduce myself, whatever. And I tell him the story and he looks at me and he goes, oh yeah, I was just with Manny. I just did the same exact thing to him all over again. <laughs> so it was, That's it was nice amazing. to see that. Right. Right. I was like, awesome. You know, 13 years later, some things never change. <laughs> really? That's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. So can confirm that. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Manny. I was like, Manny, he told me he, he is still, you know, interrupting your interviews. And Manny was like, yep, a hundred percent. <laughs> so now I want to hear your favorite winter meeting stories. Uh, okay. I, I have one that I tell all the time as well. Um, it's really embarrassing. So I can't believe I'm putting this out here into the public, but here we go. Um, so we're, this is 20, this must be 2014 in San Diego. Um, and I'm obviously, I'm a senior in college. They're trying to get a job. This is my first winter meetings and, um, you know, dressed in a suit every day, like hanging out like all the other job speakers, checking out like sore thumb, just roaming around hotel lobbies. And I'm hanging out with my former Cape League intern friends, as you do. And we see, um, we see Joe Madden and I'm like, oh my God, there's Joe Madden. And my friends are like, I don't know. Like, are you sure? Kind of looks like Plant Hurdle. I was like, no, no, that's Joe Madden. So I go up to him I'm like, hey, Mr. Madden. He goes, what? And I'm like, oh, I mean, what's up, Mr. Hurdle? I just wanted to say like, congrats on <laughs> a good season. So yeah, I called Plant Hurdle Joe Madden. And it was very embarrassing, but I will say, this is the hill I die on that. At least I had the balls to go up to say something to him because no one else did. So at least I went up and looked like an idiot. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always thought like the, for the job seekers, I thought it would be so much fun to have like 
manager executive bingo cards and you just you know because you're waiting in the lobby and like just killing time totally. like if we just have, like right like oh and then so you know you would have to erase your joe madden and, and check off the turtle <laughs> but like <laughs> but later you know, you did see joe madden and i was like oh wait no that's that's him i didn't go up to him because i was embarrassed after that point um but then when i was with, with the rays um i got to know some people who knew him really really well so i got the courage and at the next one of our meetings i actually do, did go introduce myself to the real joe madden so, perfect if it yeah, makes you feel better that. i embarrassed myself this year i told theo epstein that the highlight of my internship in 2005 was holding the door for him so <laughs> well, still happens okay thanks does make you feel better <laughs> scotty mo your turn um, I don't know if I have as good of a story as you guys. Um, I did run into um, Cleveland manager Tito Francona at the winter meetings in Nashville, and we bonded over being from Western Pennsylvania. Um, so that was fun. But um, I do have a funny story outside of the winter meetings. I feel like I have to tell it. So the summer after I was with the Mets, um, I came home and I lived downtown in Pittsburgh and I was walking home from the gym and I saw Jacob deGrom the Mets were in town and um I was like oh, I'm definitely gonna just say something to him like hey I say hi I interned with the Mets last year so I did we're cr crossing the Clemente Bridge and I said hey um just want to say hi I was a player development intern with the Mets last year um and I didn't realize but I had a um a Yankee like dry fit on I was going to the gym and he goes he looks at me he goes so you're a traitor, huh? <laughs> it was really funny. Like in the straight, like very straight. He didn't laugh. Like I didn't really know what to say. But yeah, that's probably my crazy story outside of the winter meetings. But yep, yep, he got you good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. All right, Jen. Well, it's been almost an hour. Um, if is there anything else we want to plug, or should we take some final steps and give our twenty to eighty scale rating of one? Um, I guess since we were talking about the winter meetings, the, the one last thing I'll leave everyone with before we rate the wine is if you are going to the meetings as a job seeker, you guys might have to re-release this, this episode like before next year's job seeker. If you are wearing a suit, everyone will know you're a job seeker. Yes. Obviously, you yes. need to look professional, but you do not need to wear that suit because you stand out like a sore thumb. I made that my first year I wore the suit and I have never worn a suit ever since. I don't even think I have a suit that fits me anymore. But uh, if you want to... Um, I wouldn't say stand out, but I would want to say look like you belong there. You know, go go with kind of the you know a button down or you know pants and a blouse or whatever. But like yeah. lose the suit. Quarter zip, quarter zip is always a good way to go. Yeah, yeah. Lose the suit. You just yeah, you really do. And plus, I was a woman, so I really really stuck out. It was it was quite embarrassing. Oh my god, same. I I was always surrounded. <laughs> surrounded by like other male job seekers and i was like okay either it's because i'm the only woman um because they're all trying to get a date with me maybe or just because like like sarah like i would actually just go up to people and start talking to them and they just wanted to you know ride my coattails and meet you know keith law or whoever it was i was talking to yeah exactly oh shout out keith law we, we love you keith. oh shout out keith law Forgiving yeah. Sarah and I tickets to go to Disney World in Orlando. Yeah, that's a that's a, another good reading story. <laughs> well, we'll see the, the next time come Yeah, yeah, we'll get Keith on yeah. the, and we'll we'll do we'll recap that with him. Yeah, that's that a sounds good great, honestly. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott, give me another another poll. Thank you, sir. I'm really liking this wine. I think it can go with a lot of things. Um, do you mind, um, Jen, want to read the the back of the bottle for us? Well, so I wonder if your back is different than my back. So I'll read mine and then you can tell me it because they're, they're okay. different from different areas. Um, so our Oregon Pinot Noir is a blend of fruit sourced from diverse microclimates within the Willamette Valley. The cooler climate is ideal for growing Pinot Noir and expresses itself through complex red fruit flavors with soft, velvety tannins and a long elegant finish so ours actually doesn't have any anything on the back of it yeah it just says it's cellared and bottled by joel got wines in napa county so all right oh, man well, i definitely taste the tannins though and it is it's a little too acidic for me not gonna lie um but i do like it 
Yeah, I actually like this one more than I expected to, too. So I'm going to have to uh, I wonder wonder if mine's less acidic than yours is because uh, Oregon versus Santa Barbara. I'm going to give it a 60. I really like it. I'm a more optimistic reader than Scotty Mo. So that me, that's like a, I will, if, if it's probably a 60 for Scotty, but that's him being optimistic and that's me being conservative. So I'm going to say it's a 60. Yeah, I'm locking that one in on the 20 to 80 scale. But. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 62. I feel like it's, it's, uh, not too strong one way or another so if you're if you're like not a wine person you'll like it but if you're a wine person you know it's a good one i feel like it's a good one to like bring to a party when you kind of want to like impress somebody a little bit but you're not going to buy that 80 90 dollar bottle of wine i think this one was more in the like 20 dollar range so especially given the value of the bottle you know price of the bottle versus the the wine um yeah i definitely think solid 60. So we're going to have three sixties because I'm giving it a 62. I really like it. It's a, um, I'm used to a more full bodied wine. So this isn't too strong, like too acidic for me. Um, and it's very easy to drink. Um, and I'm going to give it a comp since we have Jen on the, on the pod, I'm going to comp it to Stephen Kwan, my favorite player. <laughs> Love Stephen Kwan. He is, it's is a perfect 60. I was going to go, I was going to go a med Rosario. So, Ooh. you know, <laughs> And then I'll round it out and go Andres Jimenez. Let's just get all my How children. Yeah, all your kids <laughs> and former some former members. Speaking of Social Security, I remember taking Andres Jimenez to the Social Security and he forgot his passport. I was so upset. Oh, well, you'd be happy to know I think he has his residency now. So hey, <laughs> full circle moment. Yeah, <laughs> I made an impact. Cool. Well, cheers. Salute. Salute. Thanks, Jen, for being on. This has been an oh, absolute so pleasure. Excited. Let yes, me know. I'll come back please. whenever you want. Okay, cool. Yeah, you'll definitely have to be a recurring guest. We'd love to help um, and support, obviously, Alliance for Gender Equity in baseball in any way possible. Have as many of the members on. Maybe do a little social night with you guys. Anything that we can do to help. We'll retweet. We'll, you know, share your stories, anything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the AGEB slash Fowl Vine wine tasting. So yes. put that on the calendar for 2023. <laughs> yes, let's, let's do, do it. it. That's Scotty. Cool. You want an example of how you can support women? That's how you can support women. I'm putting it on the schedule right now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thanks again, Jen. Thank you. Love you. Cheers. Love you too. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Okay, why is it Jen the best? That was a lot of fun. It's going to be a recurring guest for sure. Jen's yeah. going to be on a few times. Yeah. Many, many times. Many a time. Yeah, there, there is no limit to how many times she can be on. I think that was amazing. It was great. I think we could have talked for hours, honestly, told so many winter meeting stories probably till, till three in the morning like they do at the, at the bar in the winter meetings. All right, cool. Well, one's delicious definitely recommend it to anyone and then we're gonna make this a part one part two episode so stay tuned for our free agency winter meeting review yeah i'm excited because i feel like we're gonna have a lot to talk about i feel like this where winter meetings was um busier than others like obviously the winter meetings are always like news breaking and signings and trades but I feel like this one, especially like most of the top guys sign and we're going to break it down and talk about them. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, uh, stay tuned. Cheers, guy. Salute. Intro music by Jordan Montgomery and Driving Well Black Records. Uh, look, big paper, I increase my wealth. Uh. Red wine, that's good for my health, uh Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, uh Allow me to introduce myself I said, big paper, I increase my wealth, huh Red wine, that's good for my health, uh Wrestle with demons, I ain't take no L's, huh Allow me to introduce myself